0: Today, on the topic show, Vivek Ramaswamy and Al Sharpen go viral with their discussion about Ukraine getting 1.9 million views. Bud Light CEO claims things are getting better, even though the sales in no way reflect that. Disney may delay or even pull Snow White. Bud Light gambling tweet fails. Riley Gang denying reality hits tweet hits 1.9 million views. DeSantis on Feds and Maui gets tweet gets mixed results. Vivek Ramaswamy tweet on DeSantis Super Pack hits 1 million views in one day. Volkswagen to make an EV version of the GTI. Tesla sales jump in China. Kia sold a record number of EVs, Lucid has a highest paid CEO in 2022, and Banquet has a recall because of plastic in the chicken. All of that and much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner and need a little assistance, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have Volkswagen to make an EV version of the GTI. Now, this is... I, I, I'm almost at a loss for words... This is as, just last week, we learned that they're gonna kill the manual transmission of the GTI, which had been a standard piece of that automotive oh, that automotive love for decades, ever since the 70s, when they first debuted the model. The Volkswagen GD, GTI, one of the most fun, hot hatches you can get, and of course, the most premium, optimal experience in that vehicle is with three pedals, also known as a stick shift, and manual transmission, and unfortunately, it looks like this will be the last model year you can get that. So we had that bad news last week. And then this week, the EV is coming out. Now, this is just a concept at the moment. The company has said we're going to put it into production eventually. But we got to see the concept model. So it looks about like a GTI, a little bit more whiz-bang LED lights. And it looks like they'll produce an ID GTI. But we don't know, you know how much it's going to sell for. They say that the concept is about the same size-wise. It's shorter but taller than the current GTI with slightly more interior volume. And the ID GTI is based and strongly resembles the ID.2 All-Compact, adding features like a 20-inch wheels, front, side, rear spoilers, rear diffuser, a honeycomb grill, and striped, <laughs> striped gla- graphics, and an LED fog lights, which, it's an EV, you don't even need a grill. Like at, at this point, it's just, just it just to make it look good, I guess. But exceedingly sad and disappointing news that the GTI, what what once was one of the most fun hot hatches on the market is now being transformed and many would say neutered and just, is borified a word? It might not be, but let's get Shakespearean and make that up, borified a bit, becoming boring. But it'll be interesting to see now. The good news for the competitors, you have Honda, which still makes a good old stick shift for their Honda Civic Type R exclusively. And you do have Kia with their stick shift Elantra N. And what is the third? There are ve- Now there are very few choices for a hot hatch if you want a stick shift, which gives a big market advantage to the competition. Because obviously it's going to be an EV, so it's going to have two pedals. Or maybe one or zero once it becomes all AI driven oh I found it abhorrent but I understand some people do enjoy it because they're not a driving enthusiast although I would just argue that means they haven't found the right car for them to really get them hooked but nevertheless I digress for now other interesting business users you have Tesla their China sales have increased 9.3% now this is also going to show that the discounts are helping. They recently discounted the vehicles, pretty much all the product lines over in China. And it is interesting to see them succeed in such a hyper competitive market for decades. Well, maybe not decades, eh, decades. China's put a lot of resources into EVs and they've mostly been jokes like the Nissan Leaf. Yes, it existed and 18 people bought it, but uh, you know, there was 23 people who bought it uh, in all reality, but they didn't look good, they really didn't perform great. They're kind of mediocre or rudimentary in many regards. Now China since then has become very proficient in the production of EVs. The country actually sees it as a strategic way to get off the dependencies of other countries in regard to oil, which again, a wise philosopher once said, there's no solutions on trade-offs. So if they're doing that trade-off. Now they need lithium for the batteries. Well, they subsequently did negotiate with Afghanistan once the US left. So now many of those mines in that country getting the lithium are already doing business with China. So it is a trade-off and is an interesting route to go for their economy and for their culture, for their country. But when they have, of course, they're gonna have a lower price point, there is some nationalism there, but I mean, Tesla does make them in China, don't get me wrong, but it is interesting to see that company doing so well in such a hyper-competitive market. And of course, it's gonna help Tesla out overall because just a little bit increased sales in China overall is huge just because obviously the percentage in the market is so large in of itself. So it'll be interesting to see how much Tesla keeps growing exponentially. I always kick myself for not buying the stock, of course. Granted, I am no financial analyst, I don't give financial advice, but geez Louise, what could have been, but I digress. Other interesting business use in the automotive community as well, you have Kia selling a record number of the EV6 in August. Now, it looks like they specifically sold 2,449 EV6s which is actually a 33% increase year over year bringing the total sales volume up 3.4% so it's interesting you're seeing more of these companies transform into EVs just a little bit oh well, just like really anything in life just a small increase in numbers a huge increase percentage-wise when you're having these big growth patterns now it looks like Eric Watson the VP of sales operations at Kia America said quote Exceeding 70,000 units for four consecutive months and doubling our year over year sales of our electrified offerings, it proof that Kia is ahead of the competition and delivering high deliverable and innovative models across many of the industry's largest segments. Kia electrified offerings combined our rugged and capa- capable SUVs have strategically positioned the brand not only to increase our EV market share, but further establish ourselves, sorry, um, as a leader in innovative mobility, unquote. Now, it'll be interesting to see if anyone sees if they're an industry leader, a huge part of brand is just customer perception. And as you see, and if you're just tuning in for the first time, every day we have a, something we call the business blunder of the day. And Kia's, they've been getting the headlines more and more for having recalls for their vehicles. One was for anything, something as simple as I assume choosing a rudimentary cheap plastic because their trunk release broke, so you couldn't escape the trunk, which in the United States is a mandate. You have to have a little pull on the inside. So that cracked last week. And then prior to that, again, recent news, they had an issue with their cars accelerating unexpectedly, which I would always argue, you know, wouldn't happen if you had three pedals and manual transmission, but it was a software issue with the automatic transmission. And I believe it was a hybrid, not the Elantra, the hybrid, I forget which model number it is or name, but it is interesting to see Kia growing in that regard In terms of brand loyalty, I'm not really a fan of the nomenclature using EV6, or I really don't like, even BMW's really renowned for that, same with Mercedes. I always think it's just more creative and better to use a car name, which I understand is hard marketing globally because different words mean different things in other countries, but uh, there's something uninspiring about the EV6. On paper, it actually looks, it's an impressive design when you look at it, but yeah, just not an inspiring name for a vehicle. It'll be interesting to see can Kia catch up to Tesla, and will people's perception of Kia change so people see them as an industry leader? That I'm pretty skeptical of, but they are increasing their EV production. So, as I say, time shall tell. Other interesting business news: you have Lucid having the CEO. He was the highest paid CEO in 2022, which is pretty much unheard of in the automotive community. You could debate, since it's an EV car company, is it more of a tech company or a car company? It's a constant debate I have with my friends and colleagues around talking about Tesla, but with Lucent in particular, they're a premium EV manufacturer. I believe they start around $85,000 now that they've discounted it, with their highest price being a quarter of a million dollars for something called the Blue Sapphire Banana Falcon. That's probably close enough to the whole name, and unfortunately from their marketing department, all the cars look about the same. Enthusiasts will argue to the red in the face that, oh yeah, the $250,000, that's the fastest, best one. Well, great, it looks about the same as a $85,000 one. So F for marketing in that regard, similar to the Chevy SS. But I digress. In terms of pay and you look at CEO's compensation, traditionally it's usually Oracle with their CEO, Larry Ellison. He's usually the most paid CEO kind of year over year. And Lucid is not doing great, which is why I think a lot of people are surprised that the CEO is receiving a high compensation package but the company isn't doing phenomenal so as of this recording lucid is trading for trading right now for $6.30 per share which for any for most companies that's terrible like look at the S&P 500 like in the past what's their past their five-year trend they've lost 36% the past one year they've lost 56.91% of their stock value in one year that is and he's still getting paid, again, this is total compensation, three hundred and seventy-nine million dollars. Now, in terms of the breakdown, his base is quote unquote, well, depending on, you know, it's a sign scale, it's relative, his base is five hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. Now, granted, if he lives in California, that's like thirteen dollars after taxes, but his base salary is five seventy-five K. Now, you might realize, wait a minute, that's a lot less, that's a lot smaller than three hundred and seventy-nine million dollars. Well, yes, it's because it's stock. So It's a little deceiving what everyone is complaining about in terms of he's getting this big comp package. Well, a lot of it is stock and there's a lot of debate on compensation with CEOs and executives and even entry level employees. Do you give them stock to give them an extra incentive to hustle harder because they have more of a, literally a stake in the company's success. And maybe they're thinking this company's gone downhill so much, we give them all the incentives in the world to turn around. We're literally giving him 379, well 379 million minus 575K. In stock, he has a lot of incentive to turn the company around. Literally hundreds of millions of dollars of incentive. Now that was down fifty-six point nine one percent in the past year. If you go to year to date, they've actually increased by two point zero three percent. So not that great. You look at the past—you know, one month they're down a down one point seven nine percent. Past five days they're up two percent. So this. A pretty stock is fluctuating back and forth, but seems to still hover around about six to $8 per share. Now you look at Tesla, Tesla for one share, that's five hundred and 550 sorry, $257.45. Now granted, of course, the stock market is very fluid. It's gonna vary by the time you even list of this, but that's a big price Delta. Now, in terms of his base and his total compensation, looks like people are complaining they had a stock gains of 5.5 million dollars which again stock gains just mean you did it means you did a good job the stock went up so i would think you'd want that now it looks like the stock specifically the stocks and awards you know strip away the base salary it's 372 million seven hundred twenty nine seven twenty nine hundred twenty eight thousand three hundred seventy five dollars now a lot of people are also kind of comparing these two numbers well Lucid's revenue last year was $608 million, and this guy's getting pay- paid about a little more than half of that at $379 million. So a lot of people are wondering how this is adding up. But again, it's not they're not paying him that cash. That's so all stock. But then you have to also ask yourself, is this a CEO that could turn the company around? That can do a better job? Because right now, the numbers are not looking good. And you look at all the headlines, and of course, they're all lamb bashing it and roasting him. And I mean, let's see, carscoops.com had a pretty good headline. So Lucid CEO was paid 380 million last year, 11 times more than GM's CEO, which is GM, you can't compare. They're an old legacy automotive company. They, Lucid, most of these EV companies just based on business model, they can be a lot more profitable. They also don't have to worry about the unions with the United Auto Workers, which right now is an estimated cost, the big three, you know, GM, Chrysler, Ford. 80 billion dollars over the, over the life of the contract over the four years. That's if they sign the contract today as they have negotiations currently ongoing. But yeah, it is pretty crazy to see that much of a compensation. Now, will the shareholders really care? You know, if you can't turn their stock around, I'm pretty sure they will. But again, if that's what the, co- the shareholders are happy with and the CEO is able to keep things going in the right direction, I don't see anyone being upset long-term, though it is pretty good headline news. Going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have Bud Light CEO claims customers are coming back yet again, but the sales, however, tell another story. Now this is quite a few months actually after the whole Dil Mulvaney fiasco, where their stock lost, what was it? Stock literally lost $28 billion in share value, as well as they've lost $400 million in sales. That was just for Q2. We're in Q3 or fiscal third quarter and I can't help but think the news is not going to get better for this company. Now it looks like he was speaking with do, 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 do. He claims oh yeah this is hilarious. They claim oh yeah they yeah they, this is from the CEO quote in the US the beer industry remained resilient delivering revenue growth of 2.3% this quarter and with beer gaining share of value of total alcohol in the first half of 2023 our revenues declined by 10.5% and STR, sales to retailers, and volumes dropped 14% with their performance impacted by the decline of the Bud Light brand, unquote. So he's finally admitting that their sales are going down a little bit. They're going down by a lot. When you hear those numbers, that sounds like that's for the overall company, not specifically the Bud Light brand. Specifically, that brand has suffered the worst. Now, he also claims, and I don't know, he claims, quote, we have actively engaged with over 17,000 consumers since April, and there are a few clear insights. First, most customer surveys are surveyed are favorable towards the Bud Light brand, and approximately 80% are favorable or neutral. The consumer will always be at the center of everything we do. Unquote. Now, that's a big sample size—17,000 consumers. That is, that's a very good survey size. Uh, are they all employees? Like. Again, now this is my anecdotal experience and as well as empirical evidence when I'm looking at articles and different surveys. None of this is reflected by the sales and none of this is reflected on social media. But like, if anything, they're just getting more aggressive in their their stance on censorship in a brief, futile attempt to get some good coverage on the Twitter and specifically, or x.com or x, whatever you want to call it now. Now, it looks like he also continues to say, quote, second, regardless of, Favorability. our consumers across all segment groups have three points of feedback in common. One, they want to enjoy a beer without a debate. Two, they want a Bud Light. They want Bud Light to focus on beer. Three, they want Bud Light to concentrate on the platforms that all consumers love, such as NFL fields of honor and music unquote. Well, I, it, it is hilarious how out of touch they are that they need to do a survey to figure that out. I mean, I'm not a big drinker of beer in general, but just knowing business and common sense, I could have told you that without having to do a survey. And presumably, if they're running the company, they should have known this better than anything else. He continues to say, quote, We are taking the feedback and working hard towards our consumer's business every day across the world. While our total beer industry share has declined by 520 BPS this quarter to 36.9%, it has been stable since the last week of April through the end of June. This can't, That has to be a typo because that is ridiculous. Unless they're talking about their, even globally, and I appreciate everyone's feedback in the comments. I've been fascinated to hear some global consumers of beer actually let me know in the comments, there's actually boycotts in other countries as well where originally I thought this would be mostly isolated to the United States. So it is fascinating to see it go kind of have a global effect. But I don't think anyone believes any of this. Because again, last, just last week we had some more sales data. Again, it's kind of an indirect sales model where Bud Light will sell it to a distributor. Distributor will sell to a restaurant or a grocery store. The grocery store will sell it to a person. So because of that indirect sales model, the sales data we get is inherently just delayed. But the latest data we have, that was for the week ending August 19th. And that noted that Bud Light off-prem locations, such as grocery stores and gas stations, those sales were down 15.9% on a dollar basis and 20.1% on a volume basis. Now they go on to say, overall, so you add up all the other venues in which they sell alcohol, they have 20 they have a 27% decrease on a dollar basis for Bud Light specifically. Budweiser was down 10%. So, again, the CEO, I almost think he's rubbing salt in the wound, so to say, because Again, he's not really addressing the issue. And it almost sounds like he's in denial, like, oh yeah, they're they're coming back to us. But that, that, we have yet to see a sales week in their favor. It's remained steady, if not worse, revolving or remaining around 27 to 30% decrease in sales week over week. Let me in the comments, are you seeing anything different in your anecdotal evidence around your community when I went to the local grocery store this past uh, weekend, I couldn't help but notice, or actually no, it was Monday? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was Monday. But when I went there, I couldn't help but notice when I went to the grocery part, or the actually the frozen food sections and the beer sections, there's only two parts that had dents in them in terms of people were taking products. One was a course, and the other was Yangling. There's like two cases of Yangling beer left. The Bud Light beer was Damn near full. I think there might've been one case missing. And again, every time I go to the store, when I see people buy beer, it's never Bud Light. It's always a Coors Light, a Yangling. And then, yeah, this past week when I was at the grocery store, I saw two people take Coors Light, six packs. And again, this is, and, you know, small sample size, me just being in the store for a half hour. And then I saw one person with Yangling. It's, whereas before, I didn't pay as much attention to it, but, I mean, Yangling is just growing exponentially. Their sales are up 20 30% week over week. They're one of the biggest winners from this scenario. So they get an A-plus for marketing, while also just staying on politics to begin with. But let me know in the comments. Do you, do you think the CEO is ever going to come out with a full apology, or do you think he'll ever admit defeat? Or is he just going to kind of keep pretending like everything is fine, which he keeps doing, and yet the sales and the stock are not reflecting that? So I don't know how dis- disillusioned he is, or if he just lives in a different reality. But needless to say, they will continue to be the business blunder of the century. Uh, I was going to say they're business blunder of the day, but they deserve the, they deserve their own trophy. Let me know in the comments who you think. Maybe we should mail it to them. That'd be a novel idea. Other interesting cultural news: You have Snow White, Disney. Well, they they might be pulling the production Now, this is after due to a myriad of reasons so there's rumors these are a couple disney fan sites where of course you have one or two people on the inside and a lot of people are speculating that it's either going to be delayed or just permanently shelved because of rachel Zegler, specifically as well as the ongoing strike with the actors actresses as well as the writer guilds of north america or north america now rachel Zegler, a nice way he's talking about her or describing her is insufferable She's consistently come out ridiculing the original intellectual property of Snow White. And again, this is supposed to be a remake. If anything, one would think you'd be doing an honorable tribute. Even just making a remake of anything is a precarious, difficult situation for any creator to do because inherently people can compare it to the original work and more often than not, they'll have a more favorable outlook of the original because nostalgia's a thing. And most times when you're trying to replicate something, it's not that good. Disney in particular has seemingly has a talent for making worse products over time. In terms of my favorite metaphor for Disney, at least again with the current staff and the current production, it's a copy of a copy of a copy. And if you have a photocopier at the house or fun little experiment, take a photocopy of something, then photocopy the photocopy, and you photocopy the photocopy, the photocopy. Every time you do that, the actual image degrades. And it holds true your Disney films. Look at Marvel films, which they own, Every Marvel film, again, a perfect example of where we could just use AI or control, paste, you know, copy, V, every film is just actors come together, big explosions, no one really dies, you kill an alien and you save the world. I mean, that's, that's I just summarized 90% of Disney and 90% of Marvel. I mean, this and again, they're not alone. I mean, Universal is notorious for the Fast and Furious movies. I mean, you just get Vin Diesel, sports cars, he says the word family in his deep voice. Family. That's more Sloan, but you get the idea. And they all have coronas. Again, a perfect example of where AI is going to take those jobs, I swear. Now, Disney in particular, not only is she disrespecting the original versions, shes they changed the seven dwarves. So there's no longer seven dwarves. They actually took jobs away from the dwarf community because Peter Dinklage, the insufferable little dwarf from um, the Game of Thrones films or movies, TV shows, whatever to call it a bloody thing, he actually came out and he said it, was pejor- it would be pejorative or you know, negative to use little people in the film of Snow White, saying that they live in caves in the movie, which shows how he doesn't really know much, but it shows how he doesn't know much about the original work. They don't live in the caves. They worked in the caves and they actually found diamonds and gems and stuff. But he said, oh, no, it's a, it, it, it wouldn't be dignified for him to have a role even though those roles could be a breakout, again, a Disney film, whether you like them or not, they'll get eyeballs. And this had the potential to change some careers. Just getting that first foot in the door. How many doors, again, there's not a lot of um, kind of pieces of film that's specifically written for that demographic. This could have elevated many careers, but he's kind of like the typical insufferable Hollywood actor where they made it and then they want to pull up the rope behind them or pull up the ladder. Or in this case, a step stool, a small one. But it just goes to show that was a controversy. You also had Rachel Zegler lambasting the whole idea of having a prince save her. And she was hinting that they might write out the prince completely. They also have the evil... Was it the evil stepmother or step... Who is this? Evil. They have the evil... What is her name? Apparently, the original one was about the jealous evil queen... And so she poisons her because she's jealous of her beauty. And in this film, she's more attractive than Snow White. So there's a lot. Of, and then she, Rachel Zegler actually said she hates the original movie and the ride, the ride at Disney would scare her, which again, your job is to advertise how awesome the international property is, as well as the theme park. Because again, they make a lot of money from the theme park. So in very insufferable. A lot of people are making, a, it's become a political issue, which again, not great for movies because you're gonna divide the audience. And a lot of people are calling it woke because again, they're injecting feminist themes into something that was not originally that. And I don't see anyone rooting for this film. So a lot of people are speculating it's gonna be delayed just because of the Actors Guild issues. A lot of people are saying it's gonna be delayed just because of the politics. And some people are speculating they might shelve it, which Hollywood's done a couple times in recent history. And again, people think you lose money when you shelve a movie. You do, but you're cutting your losses because on average, you're spending about two X for advertising and marketing. So it might sound silly just to, you know, after all this work to shelve it, but that might be the best thing for them to do fiscally. Also Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, he's been pretty adamant on cutting costs as much as possible. And when their movies have lost about $2 billion in the past, what was it, 12 films? What are the odds this will make money? What are the odds this would turn a profit? I was, what is it, 2%? Maybe? I I can't help but think this is almost set up to fail because of all the controversy around it. You have the actress hating the original film. I don't think, and again, politically speaking, you'll get some people on that political ideology to join, so it's not going to be zero. They'll make some revenue off of it. But is that political ideology that is aligned to what this film is currently portraying as, is that audience large enough to warrant a profit on the film? I would say not right now, and I don't, with the pendulum politics going back and forth throughout the years, I don't think that will grow enough to warrant this movie to ever make a profit, in my lifetime at least. But let me in the comments, it'd be interesting to see, but when it comes to this current movie, I would say the outlook is not so good. Other interesting cultural news, you have Bud Light tweeting saying you should gamble, and of course it was immediately Ray Well at least before they started to censor people. And then it was also subsequently ratioed as well. Now they had a tweet recently where they came out. And again, this is almost, you almost can't, it's such a bad marketing campaign from Bud Light. Every time I think, well, surely they'll, they'll do something more successful. or They'll try something different. No, its uh, it's just as bad. So it has a smartphone and we'll see if they actually have volume on this or not. No. Maybe they're too lazy to pay for uh, music royalties. So they have a picture. It's a little 10-second video of a smartphone. It looks like it's got the Kansas City Chiefs and another lot. The Detroit Lion, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. They still have a football team, apparently. I was shocked. Uh, so it says, make your picks. Free to play. Epic prizes so you can win some jerseys, a Super Bowl ticket. Ooh. Is that it? I thought you'd get some piss beer too. So yeah, free to play. Wow. What a great idea. Which it does sound like gambling because you're picking a winner and getting prizes based off that. I'm not sure how this isn't going over any additional regulations or government scrutiny. But apparently the whole text is, you know, pick, play and win this football season. It's that easy. Join easy. Picks for free. Which again, it very, much well be, it very well may be truly free because they're so desperate for sales. And they have said they're gonna spend or waste millions, hundreds of millions of dollars on marketing this year because again, they shot themselves in the foot to the whole Dylan Mulvaney controversy and you know targeting kids with your alcohol sales is probably not a prudent business idea. Now, in one day, and again, the statistics here are all taken within after the 24 hour mark. In one day, this little tweet got 36,500 views. That's it 36,500 and less than hundred likes, giving it a ratio of 0.22% likes, which you would think Americans love sports balls and gambling. You'd think it'd get more traction, but no, absolutely not. Now the top responses to this were all very entertaining, though of course they're all negative against Bud Light. Now the first one was from someone called DIRT which, no relation to Joe Dirt. I did check out this person's profile. And this person said, quote, get the Chiefs logo off your accounts, quote, or um, comma, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on YouTube, uh, pedophiles. And that got 713 views and 26 likes, giving it a ratio of 3.64%, which is infinitely better than 0.22%. Now, they go on to say even more entertaining responses to that. You have someone by the name of Dr. Edgar Allen, which I don't know if he's truly a doctor. It might be like Dr. Pepper, where it's a doctor in title only, or maybe he's applying to be a doctor, but Dr. Edgar Allen said, quote, apologize and add a picture of D- uh, Dill Mulvaney on an icon- on the can. That got 500 views and 29 likes, giving it a ratio of 5.8%. And someone simply just tweeted, this is Jeff. He actually just tweeted a response, a GIF of Jim Carrey, going no and that got 635 views and 24 likes giving a ratio of 3.78 percent which is unprecedentedly good now they also had stuff that they even blocked so you have to click that little button and there are a lot of things that they blocked one of them was from a good old return you have rich moody who does a lot of the fun polls will ask you know what are you guys gonna have today anti Bushing bad product or not an bushed product even and again, that's not a pejorative statement. That's just asking, what do you prefer more? And Buttlight's hiding those. And interestingly enough, consistently, the scale for that in terms of the percentage breakdown, people are usually voting between 96 and 98% no anheuser Bush and Bev for me. And I've been following his responses for a couple months now, and that's, again, overwhelmingly majority of the time, those are the breakdown of the votes. Now, you actually had Rich Mooney tweeting a picture where he said, just three to go, and he said, "Plus a YouTube channel ban for me for a complete block." Not sure if they hate their former customers criticizing them. I wonder who they're expecting to buy their beer. And then he has pictures of all the sites that they've actually blocked him on. Now they even blocked my personal account. Now, granted, they didn't for some odd reason they didn't block the show's handle, so the Topping Show or at the Topping Show. So I have to actually have to use this show's Twitter profile to look at the Bud Light tweets because I can't see them because I had the audacity of doing a tweet response where. They had one of their cliche Bud Light tweets, and I had a picture of Yangling cans and Yangling bottles next to my carbon fiber American flag. And I just said, You know, thanks for the reminder. I'll go, I need to go out and get some more Yangling. And they apparently were so offended by that that they blocked me. And they're doing this more and more with people who are not being pejorative about the brand, are just simply doing pictures of competing products and saying, Oh, thanks for the reminder. Or, Good point. I need to get more of this. Now, when Rich Mooney did his response tweet saying, and with a screenshot showing how they banned him on multiple profiles, it said one, that got 143 views and eight likes, giving him the best ratio, or nearly the best ratio, at 5.59% likes. And again, when you go to all of these profiles where they say, oh yeah, I like this idea, they're, they're all fake. So this one's from John B. And it was a positive response where, it just said um, cheers. And somehow there's actually a gif made of the Bud Light cans hitting each other saying cheers. If you go to his profile, he's just posting Wordle and reposting for other games or sweepstakes for businesses. Which I'd use the Urban Dictionary to find out what the hell Wordle is. I Some things uh, elude me in terms of common culture. So it'll be interesting to see, but as of right now, it seems like the Bud Light social media, their crusade or their ideals, they're just falling apart because they're not working at all. And even with blocking more and more and more people, the negative responses are still showing up. So if you're supporting the boycott and you're actually going against their Twitter, you're making up new profiles, perhaps. Don't let up because I don't think the CEO has learned a lesson yet. Because again, he's he he said, "Oh yeah, I think we're I think things are turning around," and I guess. Of course, he's never actually admitted the problem or the mistakes that they made. Will they ever learn the lesson? I I would say outlook is not so good. Other interesting culture news, you have Riley Gaines denying reality tweet hitting 1.1 million views in a single day. Not Riley Gaines is the swimmer who came to fame. At least she was at UPenn, where she tied with biological male what was it, Leah Thompson, who again never got the surgery or took the drugs apparently. Riley Thompson was in the female locker room changing in front of females exposing Riley all um, right um what is that bloody's name Leah's junk to all of them and tying with Riley and this person got to keep the trophy of course you can't use the correct logical pronouns because if you do YouTube will take the video off the platform because logic and you know oil and water Kind of trying to mix them together. It's kind of like logic these days in some cases. Now, this is Riley Gaines tweeting a response to someone. And this original tweet was from someone called Ed Krasenstein. And this is a long tweet, but I'll go ahead and do, I'll quote it now. He said, quote, It's okay to think pronouns are funny. It's okay to feel as though pronouns are strange. What's not okay is to intentionally make someone feel less human than you because... They want to be identified with a certain pronoun that you refuse to use. What harm is it to do in doing to what harm is it doing to call someone pronouns you don't agree with? Stop being divisive and trying to bridge the gap. If someone wants me to call them a dinosaur, I'll do it if I know it won't be offensive if I don't. Life is too short to start arguments over this type of thing. So that was his tweet. Of course, I'll uh, he Ironically, this person doesn't put their pronouns in their Twitter bio. So you don't know if you're misgendering them or not. Now that original tweet got 3.4 million views. Jeez Louise. And 9,613 likes. So needless to say it did go viral. Although ironically, interestingly enough, the top response of them were two. The top response was one of them was from Rob Hembree, H-E-M-B-R-E-E saying, quote, I refuse to participate in someone else's narcissism, unquote. Now, he said that, getting 126,000 views, and he got 8,870 likes. Now, y'all said, lower down, you said, AKA, this person said, quote, because you're promoting something that isn't real, it's a mental illness, unquote. That person got 1,118,000 views and 9,475 likes. So it looks like the breakdown of his original post was pretty mixed. There are a couple of people supporting it as well. If you scroll down long enough. And... Well, I always, it always is uh, morally vacuous when someone... I, I don't like the intellectual argument. Well, I don't think it really is a good argument to say, if you don't agree with me, you're a bad person. You're evil. Which, ironically, is perhaps one of the things that the most heinous evil people of all time do if you actually read a history book. I know public schools in the United States don't really teach history these days. It t- scores are at all-time low. Though, they say they deserve more money. Now, one, a couple of them did agree. You said this person called Doge ETF saying, I don't, quote, I don't agree with them, but regardless if someone tells me them, I'm always, I'll always use them. It's simple, it's simple decency to respect someone. That person got 120,000 views, but they only got 1,017 likes. Now, Ed Cranston responded to that saying, quote, that's the way it should be. You're a good person, unquote. Oh, my eyes, I, it rolled back so hard, it almost hurt my eyes. Now, that got 100, his response to that got 104,000 v- views and 576 likes. Another one said, from Jay says, quote, you know, be open-minded. It's never okay to create hate amongst anyone. Be humble and be positive to those around you. Now, that got 152,000 views and 653 likes. So, there is, eh, maybe a 60-40 split last, and again, we'll get right back to Riley. This is the original post. Another one said, Gummy Bear, which the profile is actually quite appropriate. It is a picture of gummy bear. This person said, quote, I'll explain. It's the same reason we reject 2 plus 2 equals 5. Without objective truth, there can be no no objective morality. Without objective morality, what you have is moral relativism. It all starts with doing away with something as simple as binary sex because it won't stop there. That response got 60,000 views and 2,920 likes. And he references Jordan Peterson saying if you give him an inch, give him a mile. So overall, pretty mixed responses to the original statement. Now Riley Games came came along and her response was, quote, The harm being done is that we're denying reality and that's a slippery slope. Embracing false reality to avoid hurting someone's feelings or, confront or confrontation is never the answer. It's compassionate to tell the truth. That is what love is. Now, her response. And again, the numbers are going up exponentially every time I take a look at the ticker. Again, the statistics that I took with all, with all within the first 24 hours. She got 1.1 million views. Astonishingly good. Astonishingly impressive. Now, she also got 16.7 thousand likes, so even better. And actually, no, she got 8,858 likes, giving her a ratio of 0. 0.29. So not the best ratio, but still quite impressive nonetheless. And it looks like she goes on to clarify, saying, Of course, I think we should always be respectful, but it's not respectful to lie and affirm the idea someone was born in the wrong body. Think of the message to sends to the individual who created the who created perfect the way you are. They're being told their right to believe they're in the wrong body. We would never do that to anyone to any, we would never do that under any circumstance to any other person struggling with dysphoria or dysmorphia. Quote, quote, respect cannot come at the expense of what is real and just. Now that got 128,000 views and 3,180 likes. And it looks like most of these are overwhelmingly supporting her Now granted, these are probably also, if you follow someone, you inherently are probably more likely to agree with them as well. And you do have a couple people. No, actually, no, it looks like, (laughs) spot on, thanks again. Again, truth without love is mean. Love without truth is meaningless. God created the man and the woman. He, He don't do any mistakes when he send a new life to be born. So even scrolling past, how I many I mean, comments are per page? Eh, past first 30 comments are all, to her, all overwhelmingly positive. It'll be fascinating to see from a cultural perspective as this has become something of a debate in the United States. And again, fascinating to hear how it is in other countries. I know Europe, I think they already have some laws in place in Canada, or Canada, or as we like to call it, Diet America. They already have laws, where was actually illegal to, mispronoun quote-unquote someone and you can actually be put in jail so it'll be interesting to see culturally how that debate evolves in the united states and if it simply erodes the first amendment and we start jailing people in the u.s as other countries have subsequently done it'll be interesting to see but as i always say time shall tell now going on to the political part of the podcast you have viv gramaswami his tweet about the desantis super PAC gets one million hits in one day And 3,368 likes. So if I do a little math here today. We can actually punch that out and see that ratio. Not the best. But it is. 0.37%. Now if you pull up the actual response. And again this is a lengthy one. Let me see here. So this is from Vivek yesterday saying, quote, It came out yesterday that the DeSantis $100 million monster pack is taking credit with their donors for quote-unquote spreading dirt and manufacturing fake attacks on me. Here's a classic case of how their game works and leaves all conservatives holding the bag by confounding the real threats we face as as a country. They created this stitched together video as if it's a flip-flop from my original position that the climate agenda is a hoax. Here's the truth. The real problem in our country isn't the fact that the global temperatures are going up slightly. They are. But the toxic anti-carbon agenda we've adopted in response. Today, eight times as many people die of cold temperatures as warm ones, and the right answer to all temperature-related deaths is greater access to fossil fuels. The climate disaster-related death rate is down 98% in the last century, and Earth is more covered with green surface area today because car. Carbon is a plant food. The same people who rail against carbon emissions in the U.S. are finally shifting them to China while also opposing nuclear energy in the U.S. So yes, the climate agenda is a hoax. It's a shame we have Republican swamp creatures trying to dupe our own people, which makes us less effective in fighting back against the climate cult. It's finally time to end the super PAC puppetry in the Republican Party. Unquote. So that's, Quite a long, and actually it's only 10 seconds long. I'll play that little clip that they matched together if it has volume here. Climate change, agenda is, a
1: hoax. Climate change is also real. I'm not denying the under reality of the underlying reality that global surface temperatures are going up and in part due to human activity. Climate change
0: agenda. All right. So you might can't help but notice they did change the, the verbat or vernacular. So during the debate, he, did, he said the agenda was a hoax specifically and apparently the original tweeter was never back down 24 and i didn't know they probably had to misspell it just because the the twitter handle is already taken so it's never being spelled mvr back down 24 and the profile proclaims there's a supporting ron desantis for president because he is the future and never back down text yada yada to learn more about the candidate so it looks like once again vivek had to come out and actually fight against the perceptions that are being thrown at him And is it interesting to see the DeSantis campaign take more of a negative connotation, more of a negative approach? Don't get me wrong, it's perhaps one of the most effective political strategies. It's working for Chris Christie. His whole platform is, I am not Trump, Trump is bad. So the Republican party members who do not like Trump, they're gonna be more, actually, that's pretty much their only candidate that they're gonna vote for right now in the presidential primaries because that's what he's running on. So it does absolutely work many of the times to actually go against your political opponent and go after them. But it's interesting to see him go after that in this case. And looking at the responses, it's got 3,709 likes. So Let's do the second part. It looks like responses. Yeah, this one says Newsweek and Krispy Kreme, come back and try again, you got something. Find something meaningful. People don't Google search. Find the truth. You're making them nervous. Um. Here's one says, ChatGPT keeps better. Oh yeah, ChatGDP keeps getting better and he'll never be a real boy or president. That got four likes, but 567 views. Uh, another one says, Trump will win. Mark my words. Vivix, the WF, it's so fake. So interesting. Let's see here. Another one says, "Oh, this was more popular. I got nobody is voting for Desantis mafia. That got thirty-one likes, but one thousand eight hundred thirty-eight, one thousand eight hundred thirty-two views." Another one said, "Vivic the Exposer," that got forty-two likes and three thousand seven uh, views. So it looks like overall, I'd say a little bit more. I'd say a little bit more than fifty percent of the responses were all still supporting Vivek. And again, you do have that inherent bias where if you follow someone, you're probably more likely to agree with their statements. Another one said, this is from Joe Satz, nice try, sanctimonious that got 9 likes and out of 2,126 views. So it is interesting to see that they did, so they chopped out his words. So he said the climate change is real, he said the agenda is not. Perhaps, and again, he'll probably, he should perhaps clarify, be more articulate, maybe his... Cause it is true, like if you look at the United States, if you were to cut off all like if we just stopped making everything in the United States, shut down manufacturing completely, no one could drive, no one can do airplanes, it still wouldn't do much globally, because you look at where the most emissions come from, an overwhelming majority come from China, India. Partially because those you would argue India is a more developing country. They're ramping up their manufacturing capabilities just past I think it was last fiscal quarter, they just announced an Apple factory there, so they're gonna make more of the iPhones there. So they're ramping up their physical production and inherently that's going to have more pollution and they're going to be creating more things you guys have more people moving up and becoming more wealthy in india so you're going to have more people driving more people are going to be prospering in that regard so it'll be interesting to see but that is a common kind of a blind spot when it comes to the debate on climate change and you have all these people where the other countries can get away with damn near murder or everything and then you have other people that debate well what's you know what's the overall trend we only have data for this much time so is an ongoing fascinating debate, which unfortunately has become a political issue, but it'll be interesting to see, will this, I don't think this will actually hurt Vivek too much if he keeps coming out with these rebuttal videos. If anything, I think these are just going to help him increase his virality, he's become. he's becoming very proficient in social media, like doing more interviews than he can possibly count, going on a myriad of podcasts and all these media outlets. He's just covering the internet with his content. And again, part of, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, a lot of politics is brand recognition. There are people who, and it blows my mind, they will vote for some just because they remember their name or because they have an R or a D next to their name as well, which is ridiculous. I think you should be able to actually articulate two to three policies you agree with. But again, I know having any, any bar at all in politics is a tall order these days. It'd be interesting to see, but I think this will help Vivek overall long term. Other interesting political news you have DeSantis they have their little tweet talking about the feds in Maui. This is from the DeSantis war room. And in terms of, you know, obviously, unfortunately there's been a couple tragedies in Florida. So DeSantis himself isn't doing anything on Twitter for his personal profile, but the DeSantis war room is continuing their, their strike or not their strike, their endeavor to get Ron elected. So they are posting content, content consistently. This is the first one in a couple, you know, I would say seven days. It's actually got over hundred thousand views. So this got 118,000 views in the first 24 hours, and it also got 2,618 likes, giving a ratio of 2.22%, so pretty good ratio. And the comments are, eh, not, I would guess 40% good, 60% negative towards DeSantis. So I'll play the quick
1: Do you trust the federal government to help uh, seeing what happened and why? just a few weeks ago in East Palestine a few
2: months ago? So the question is, is um, what about the, the federal government in light of uh, what, what happened in, in Maui? Look, I think the Maui is a total catastrophe, what happened there. And I don't think we have all the answers to that. I think we should have all the answers to that. It's interesting how incurious uh, our corporate media is about what happened in Maui. I mean, I don't see them uh interviewing parents who can't find their kids but we know there's a lot of people missing so so that was a total uh a disaster uh, really really heartbreaking to, to hear some of the stories even though they're not being publicized i think this
0: now politically speaking if you look at the visuals in this video again i appreciate the feedback and critique if you ever have any suggestions on software we you actually put the video in picture for current production i've tried a couple softwares i haven't found one consistently that actually have high resolution picture in picture but let me know if you have suggestions and comments but he actually has soldiers actually passing back supplies with volunteers in the background. So I'd say that's, that's B plus for marketing just because you want to show that you're actually part of the solution. And again, part of politics is just posturing and being in the right places at the right time. Just add Ted, ask Ted, Ted Cruz when there's a big ice storm in Texas and he was over in some city of Mexico. Again, there's only so much you can do with your, he's a senator, but like just optics doesn't look good so part of politics is optics of course
2: situation's much different and
0: ron did it looks like he put his campaign on pause to be in florida and actually tend to the state so politically speaking that's prudent like, move
2: i think that the state of florida uh we we prepare for this stuff we were prepared we responded and really what the federal government's role is is just turning on programs that Congress has enacted over many, many years, and so it's basically serving as a checkbook uh, to get people reimbursed for debris cleanup, to give people individual assistance, and so in that sense, uh, I think that that has been turned on. I anticipate that that will go uh, smoothly, but most of the nuts and bolts is done by our local communities and by the state of Florida, and that's really how it should be. Disaster response is really bottom-up it's bottom up the people in the communities know when you're in cedar key and they're talking about evacuating in light of the storm now that's not the federal government doing it it's not even the state government telling them that's the local government saying if you're in this zone you're going to be susceptible to storm surge it's time to evacuate now people can make their decisions based on that or not but i think that people who were in really significant harm's way of storm surge by and large heeded those warnings and that's why had not we still have not had one single coastal fatality reported there was one traffic fatality in Alachua County involving the storm that has been confirmed uh, but none on these other areas and this was some major major storm surge and so you had that you had the state managing and assisting and that's really the bread and butter the checkbook from the feds is is, is great and we're gonna whatever resources are available as the governor I'm going to pull those levers to be able to help Floridians but we're certainly not um, relying on the federal government to do the day-to-day uh, heavy lifting we're, we're going to do that as, as floridians as people in the counties and municipalities and of course at the state level
0: it's a pretty good speech he actually i think he focused focused on the right things and he's doing what he can with the resources he's had so thankfully there has been a well i guess there's a traffic fatality but thank god there wasn't a major loss of life for, for this particular natural disaster and going to the comments it looks a little mixed so you have the first comment on here saying this is from Mighty Mouse Cutie two four four two five saying quote anything to divert attention from the issue of homeowners insurance in Florida, unquote. That got 31 likes and 1,178 views. Now, another one responded to that actually saying, oh, oh, it's from LK111. Interesting name. She said, quote, Oh my god, tort reform was passed, and there was stuff in the paper weeks ago about companies coming back to Florida because DeSantis because of DeSantis reforms. My God, if you're going to criticize something, at least be informed. Unquote. That person got 34 likes out of 362 views. So, damn good ratio. Now, if you scroll down from here, uh, this is from Niani. Oh, yeah, Niani Dartho. Quote, ripping on corporate media is an important part of his skill set. Unquote. That's 34 likes and 1,338 views. Well, it's kind of cliche to critique corporate media but it's also part of his job and is part of reality it is interesting to see what they choose to focus on and more often than not it seems to be politically prudent for certain sides of the political aisle now if I keep scrolling through this it seems like I got here this is from oh it's someone called Rock slash Hard Place saying quote sir you are a fantastic governor you have clearly shown you can lead issue is campaigning is not your forte that's okay just say it we're all human, we understand. That person got nine likes and 767 views. I'll come the positive one, you have Mr. Buckers, Buck, Buck sterling saying, quote, this is leadership, unquote, with the is in all caps. Now that got 49 likes and 1,225 views. Another one saying Taz Maga donanian This one was saying, quote, a dollar late and a, a day late and a dollar short, it got four likes, 529 views. So it looks pretty mixed. And again, I don't think just anecdotally following the campaign. I don't think his strength is not social media. Um, I have another one saying Lisa Treese saying, thank you, Ron DeSantis. Something is very wrong in Maui. That got 12 likes out of 313 views. But I think a lot of his support, I don't know if it's from people who don't have the internet, or people who are not adamantly on social media. I'm just, you look at these polls, and DeSantis is still doing ahead of Vivek in many of these polls, but Vivek is more viral. He's more positive received on social media. When I look at the breakdown of the comments, more often than not, I think Vivek's more 60 70% of support in terms of the comments being positive. And Ron, its I want to say it's 50-50 on a good day. And that's just, again, just scrolling through the top comments on, and again, this is his War Room page. And his actual individual page It's still about the same, but it's the views are not there. He's getting 200,000, 300,000 views. A couple of these break 400,000 on his individual Twitter page. I mean, he's not breaking the millions yet. So I think he's obviously kind of stuck in this current situation, trying to hammer everything out, make sure everything, everyone is safe and well. But I think in terms of his campaign, he definitely needs to ramp it up and as cliche as it sounds it's gotta go viral. It has to I don't know if he needs to pick some another political issue he needs to harp on or something he needs to emphasize more. But I mean, right now, I would say it was a good speech, but overall, let me know in the comments if you think differently. In regards to his campaign, I would say the outlook is not so good. Other interesting political news, you have Vivek Ramaswamy and Alf Sharpton. Their discussion on the Ukraine gets 1.9 million views on the Twitter. Now, this was originally filmed or was originally interviewed on MSNBC, but I don't have a tube TV, so or I should clarify, I don't have cable. I do have a tube TV, but obviously, everything's on the Twitter these days, so that's where it got 1.9 million views in the first 48 hours. Now, they also got 10.3 thousand likes, so not the best to like ratio, about 0.54 percent likes. And it's not too long of a video, so I'll go ahead and I'll pull that up right here. I'll play that really quick. And this is in terms of Vivek does have some text before the video, so this is his text. Vivek said, quote, I debated Al Sharpton, who says he disagrees on my position with Ukraine, but I may as well have been debating the GOP establishment, who says the exact same thing. I'll give Sharpton credit for opposing the Iraq war, which is better than we can say of the neocons. Now, but now they've all joined forces to shamefully embrace Zelenskyism, unquote. Which, in terms of getting paid to work at home, Zelensky has won, hands down. Over $100 billion last year. Well, I guess this current fiscal year, actually. In cash, as well as, you know, physical assets, military, tanks, what have you. That's that was from the U.S. alone. A lot of companies, a lot of countries are chipping in.
3: I need to show you this tape. Yeah. Back in 2003, when I ran for president and you were there to ask me a question at a forum I was doing at Harvard University, so 20 years later, now my turn to ask. Yeah. Let me let me first play you the uh, the tape of you and I 20 years ago. Yeah. God, let's get to my question here, ahead. <laughs> Reverend Chapman, hello. I'm Vivek, and I
1: want.
0: Oh, he's got the cliche '90s look with the haircut.
1: Ask you, last week on the show, we had Senator Kerry, and this week...
0: Uh, interestingly enough, on the little description where it says you know, Ramaswamy's name, it looks like he actually is a Republican in terms of, says Ramaswamy R, at least the banner from this clip from 2003. That was interesting, because I know some of the comments on Twitter were saying he used to be a Democrat. Again, these days, I know it seems like there's a lot of Republicans in office who are secretly Democrats, so... I don't hold much value towards what party you put on your little ballot form. I really just judge you on your actual statements and, more importantly, your voting pattern, voting history.
1: And then and, and the week before, we had Senator Edwards. And my question for you is Of all the Democratic candidates out there, why should I vote for the one with the least political experience?
3: Well, you shouldn't, because I have the most political experience. <laughs> <laughs>
0: about politics is sound bites and that let me know in the comments that almost sounds like a Trump response it's like you don't have any experience actually I do and here's why so again I might not agree with anything he says politically in terms of um, Al Sharpton but fascinatingly at the time not a bad rebuttal if you're you know it's a cable TV show
3: I got involved in the political uh, movement when I was 12 years old and I've been involved in social policy for the last 30 years. So don't confuse people that have a job with political experience. So 20 years later, now my turn to ask you <laughs> of all the Republican candidates.
0: The tables have turned. it's out there. Now, thankfully, Vivek has a much better haircut these days. Why should. Although obviously, still not as great as mine, which I usually get every, maybe seven months, obviously of course impeccable it's the best the best haircut some might say even the best the best cuban hair on the planet hopefully that made you laugh
3: someone vote for you the one with the least political experience and i might add you've never held office you've only voted twice That's in the last few elections you don't even vote regularly yes and you support donald trump who never held office until he was president Well, you're putting a different standard on me, but I won't even make the racial uh, application there.
0: Everything about Al Sharpton seems to be diluted towards race, which I find morally vacuous and disgusting. This is the United States. All that matters is your morals, your values, and your output in terms of you're an employee. That's why I always like to debate people. And one of the things I always like to talk about is how capitalism, I think capitalism defeated racism a long time ago, partially because the CEO is gonna choose who's gonna give me the best ROI. Especially if you're a global company, that's what you need. You need the best talent. You need the biggest sample size. I don't really care. What do they look like? It doesn't matter. Whether, I would say, you look for their ideological beliefs in terms of want well, to make sure they have strong morals and values, and do they have the best output, their production numbers. But I digress. I'll hand it over to him again.
1: We vote for Listen, you. at the age of 18... At the age of 18 i think you persuaded me on that one that political experience is not the same as holding office
3: oh, to tell you the truth the so, reason so i came out there out and, right and right i was intrigued come i put out <laughs> right-wing press that shopton converted a young well I, I don't want to take credit for to you believe because... outside of political experience you know i'm going to tell you the truth one of the things i'll even give you
1: one more for you okay you were the only anti-war candidate back then i was against the iraq war as i recall you were the only anti-war candidate in either party well guess what Tables turn now. I'm the only true anti-war candidate in either political party now. When it comes,
0: which is pretty astonishing. I mean, you wind back the clock a couple decades, and it used to be kind of a cliche that you know Democrats love peace, Republicans like war. It kind of used to be a cliche. Now, again, you saw in the Republican debate or the Re- Republican the primary debate for the pres- presidency. He was the only one who was actually against giving Ukraine more and more billions and billions and billions of dollars.
1: Comes to Ukraine. I believe in America first policies. I think this Ukraine war does not advance American interests. I was the only person with the courage to say that on the Republican debate stage last week. The the real war I would take on is the war against the administrative state, the shadow government here at home. I think the people who we elect to run the government once again ought to be the people who actually run the government, not the cancerous bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. I'll have a 75% headcount reduction for all of the people who weren't elected. In-
0: Again, brilliant vernacular, especially if you're trying to gain the libertarian vote. or And also a lot of people politically in the middle who just think the government's become so disgustingly bloated throughout the past couple decades. And also contributing to the overall deficit. We're now $32 trillion in debt, which, yeah, the bill is going to come up soon. And it's not going to be pretty, in my opinion.
1: In Washington, D.C., So this is a very different vision than you hear amongst traditional Democrats for sure, but even amongst traditional Republicans. I wanna shut down the administrative state, I wanna declare independence from China, I want to grow our economy by drilling and fracking and embracing energy, and I wanna revive national pride in this country.
0: Both rare things. Back in 2019 is the first time in about 60 years the United States was energy independent. We actually exported more fossil fuels than we used. Which again, you could also achieve, I would always say, not just you know fossil fuels, that's going to be the best ROI, but also get some nuclear energy up in here. That's one of the cleanest forms of energy on the planet. And technically, you could also argue recyclable and green because duplated uranium is one of the most dense substances on the planet. They actually use them for tank busters. Well, in rudimentally speaking, it goes to be the core of a projectile that can bust through a tank armor. So the military actually uses it for that. So. There's actually a byproduct that is used, and you'd argue it's recyclable.
1: That's not a Republican idea or a Democratic vision. It is a pro-American vision. But I, but That's I, what I stand I, for. I would, it's issue, in this
3: race. I would take issue that... When I opposed the war in Iraq and going for weapons of mass destruction that wasn't there, so I ended up being right. You can't compare that to the United States supporting Ukraine defending itself against Russia. So that's look, I think the there's a myth thing. that
1: Ukraine's actually, I think, I was against the Iraq war then, but I'm consistent now. Ukraine is not some democracy that we've now painted it to be. I
0: think That's true. Even the most left-wing media sources, you know, Washington Post, CNN. Just look at the articles a couple years back. And consistently, Ukraine was ranked as one of the most corrupt countries in Europe. And it's no coincidence that we're seeing a lot of the funding and the things we sent over there kind of just disappear. Well, more, I'll have a full episode on that later, trust me. I
1: think this is a Ukraine regime going really t- have t- some serious t-
3: flaws t- as t- well.
0: Nope. So you can't, uh, Ralph was speaking over Al Sharpton a little bit, but Al Sharpton just said, well, let me rewind that. The, the Ukraine is strategic to the United States? Wait, wait, wait.
1: I think this is a regime that is is really has some serious... For
0: that. They're in the strategic place to the United States. Well, I know the United States public schools, you know, got math scores at all-time low, history scores at all-time low, perhaps also geography at all-time low. Well, also most Americans probably can't post Ukraine on the map if you were to pay them a hundred bucks. But in terms of military or defense or in terms of, you know, strategically putting our resources, no, they're way the hell. No, they're they're over there. So, no, I, I don't see that about that. I understand they make many resources that everyone consumes. They make a lot of the fertilizers over there. Truth be told, they actually make some Porsche components as well, unfortunately. But, strategic to the United States? Really? Oh. Oh. Does he explain it? Probably not.
3: The United States. Ukraine is in so a, I think I respectfully a, a disagree. Where, I uh, we respectfully disagree that I Where
0: well, we have allies in NATO surrounded? Yeah, we have a lot of members in NATO. Yeah, but they're already on the border. They're they're there.
3: All right. all right. We can agree to disagree
0: the on Ukraine
1: that. Ukraine is not Let a NATO ally, and, and Ukraine does advance U.S. interests. So that's one of the things that's distinctive about that. my views. We disagree respectfully yep. on
0: that. So, fascinating conversation. Again, it got. 1.9 million views in a, two days. That's astronomically successful. And again, it's something I'm not seeing from other political candidates as I check out their profiles and see what of their videos are going viral, which one of them are increasing the polls. Again, Vivek seems to have done really well with social media. And again, it'll be interesting to see how much does that translate to the actual polls, as again, the polls on average still have DeSantis ahead of Vivek, with the exception of one or two. So, and again, there's a lot of variables that go into polls, there's a lot of uncertainties. Now, if you look at the responses, yeah, I would say, eh, they're mostly in his favor. Now, you have a response from Johnson Ar- Argeta saying, quote, Al Sharpton is a race hustler. Nothing really important comes from it, unquote. That got 19.2 thousand views and 556 likes. Pretty good, given a ratio of 2.9%. Now, you also have Ashley St. Clair saying, quote, So Al Sharpton is okay with us sending Ukraine tens of billions to, quote, defend themselves against Russia, but was in the streets of my city calling for Daniel Petty to go to jail for protecting a New Yorker from a violent man who had been arrested 40 plus times. He was cordial with you, which is a positive, but man, this guy will always be bloodthirsty, unquote. Which is true. A gentleman actually defended a train of innocent people against someone who, yes, was arrested 40 plus times, was actually arrested for punching an old lady in the face, and was fizz- was verbally saying he was going to kill people. This person subdued him, and of course, it became political, and they wanted to put him to jail. And now he's fighting for his life in court. Now... Her response got 103,000 views and 1,091 likes, giving a ratio of 1.05%, so not too bad. You also have a response from Captain Jack, which no affiliation to Johnny Depp, unless he has a lot of time on his hands, and this is like an incognito account. It's not verified, and it's not a picture of him, but perhaps his alter ego, but I digress. Captain Jack says, quote, why is Sharpton perceived to have any wisdom whatsoever Seems like he has only services to publicly incite racial division. Unquote. That got one thousand two hundred sixty-three views and sixty-five likes, giving him the best the best ratio of all time at five point one four percent. The greatest. And as I look through the other ones, I'm not again. This might be one of Vivek's more popular tweets. You have. Uh, Oh, yeah, you have this one. Uh, Simon Wrightson saying, quote, church minister says go to war, unquote. I got 10 likes out of 1,784 views. Yeah, I'm still Vivek. Props to Vivek. So, yeah, I'm trying to find an actual negative one. Uh, kudos to you, Simon Lobson. It's a theater. It's absurd. Uh, uh, it's time to vote. I have vote for it uh guys you have a gentleman ecom e2 saying i'd still vote for trump i got seven likes and 2075 views which again there's a lot of people are never or you have never trumpers and you have all only trumpers like they'll only ever vote for him Um. okay here's one negative one so you have a final cut mi probably guessing michigan resident saying quote he's been bought and paid for he got nine likes and two thousand eight hundred and ninety-nine views and then someone responded saying, "Put some names out there," and there's no subsequent response from the original Mr. Final Cut, in Michigan. Uh, oh, someone else said uh, it's not rocket science. In quote, a conversation after all these years. No wonder Vivek was beaming. Nine likes out of out of three thousand two hundred fourteen views. Another one says, "Go get him, Vivek." Uh, and that's again that's yeah so. Seemed to be a good interview, not seeing too many negative responses. So, in terms of Vivian's campaign, seems to be doing pretty consistently well in terms of the social media. I mean, is, you feel like his profile, you're just having more and more of these interactions and more and more of these media situations where he's hitting over a million views on Twitter. And again, getting your name out there, getting the brand out there, that's a huge part of politics that, again, I'm not really seeing from the competition. With the exception of trump when you know there's a lot of people thinking vivek is just going for the vp position that's a debate in and of itself i my three cents i again used to be two cents but 40-year hyperinflation i should really char- I should charge four cents but just my three cents today though it is still free to click that subscribe button and i think realistically that's what he's going to go for which is why he's been very strategic with his vernacular he's one of the only republican nominees who hasn't actually been aggressive or talking too pejoratively around Trump. You have, you know, Chris Christie, whose whole campaign is to be negative against Trump and he's getting supports because of that stance. Most of the other Republicans are more, they're they're negative against Trump, but they're not being too negative in their vernacular. They're not calling him names. They're, not, they're being more like, hey, he's a passive, we're done, with it's not us. It's like much more of a passive aggressive, some might say approach. So it'd be interesting to see, will this translate to the polls? As we have more and more of these interesting statistics come out, at what point do you have him? Will he consistently start rating ahead of DeSantis in the polls? Because again, it's happened a couple times, but on average, it seems like DeSantis is still a little bit ahead of Vivek in these presidential primary polls. That I think will be interesting to see as these weeks keep uh, keep going. And of course, politics is a long game. A lot of things could happen because there's a lot of time. But it'll be interesting to see. And I would say, time shall tell. Going on to the business blunder of the day. You have Banquet Chicken having a recall. Now, this is actually a company that owns Banquet Chicken. They also own Slim Jim, Hunt's, Vlasic, Pickles, Ready Whip, Orville Redenbacher, Swiss Miss, Snack Pack, Dukes, Boom Chicka Pop, Birdseye, Mary Calendars, David Seeds, Garden Dean, Plant Based Protein, Duncan Hines, and Healthy Choice. So, quite a big portfolio. Now, the specific brand Banquet, they're in a recall of 245,366 frozen chicken strips because they could contain contaminated plastic. Which, again, plastic is not part of a balanced diet. Although somehow, I don't know how bad our food supply is in the United States, there seems to be more and more studies that say, and again, I don't know how true this is, kind of one of those rumors you hear on the bus, although I would never take the bus because Why? I mean, manual transmission is so much more fun. But they say, you know, at an average, people are eating like a credit card size of plastic. Again, they're all apparently microscopic, but they add up throughout the years. But yeah, to have a recall, that's not too good. Now, it looks like the meats affected were produced between June 20th and July 10th and July 17th, 2023. The affected meals will all have a sale by date of December 2024, January 1st, 2025, or January 7th, 2025. They also are affected specifically with the lot numbers 509 317 120. Another one is 5009 319 220. Or lastly, 931 Those numbers identifying it at the side of the carton, according to the FSIS. Now, interestingly enough, that is a pretty big recall. Literally about a quarter million. Of those frozen chicken strips and again what perhaps one of the most important industries in terms of pr you know customer relations make sure you know stuff's not contaminated if you look at like a paint supply company at home depot if it's slightly the wrong color eh, some people might be a little bit upset shoot if there's i don't know like a foreign object like an acorn, i don't know what would fall in a paint can but like an acorn or something that's not the end of the world but When you have food recalls that's perhaps one of the most concerning things when it does come to the recall concept to begin with is literally something you're putting inside of you and about a quarter million that's that's got to be the business blunder of the day thank you again for taking the time to tune in try and get to four thousand subscribers by the end of september i know it's a tall order but if you click that button i would greatly appreciate it also if you take the time to like and comment the feedback is also appreciated try to make the show better and better Lastly, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.